So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start at the easy place. I'm going to read the Bible. Not a bad spot for a pastor to start when he's getting back in the saddle. So, but what I want to do, I want to read the same passage of Scripture four times. I want to read the same passage of Scripture in four different versions. Because I really want us to catch something in our heart this morning. And it's from Luke chapter, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 1, not Luke, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking about his ministry. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Can we just deal with that word before I go on? Because it's going to be mentioned a few times. Uh, Repent does not mean feel guilty. Repent does not mean feel shame. Repent does not even mean saying sorry to God. Repent actually means a change in mind. I could put it this way. Jesus is saying, have a mental shift. Change the way you're thinking. Because God is close. And what he's doing, his kingdom, his rule and reign is right here now. It's not something that might happen sometime in the future. It's not something speculative. It's not something that we're actually waiting around for. Way back 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, it's here. Okay, so is that okay? We just, I'm not angry. I'm just excited to be back. Okay. New King James puts it this way. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. What's the good news? That God still loves you and he's forgiven you. And he has a whole different way of living for each one of us. That there is a better way to do life. There's the good news. In the message translation... It says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God, saying, time's up. God's kingdom is, you're sensing a theme. Change your life and believe the message. The Passion Translation, his message was this, at last the fulfilment of the age has come. It is time. For God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. Can we just pray real quick? Father, change us by understanding what you're saying to us. Far be it from us to, to listen and then walk away unchanged. But stir our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay. Our theme for the year, the kingdom is now. And I must admit that everyone who's been speaking this year on this theme has done a brilliant job leading to this moment. We set this theme, I think I set this theme in September last year and I have been longing to get to it. There's Sarah Cronk. Sorry, I just had a squirrel moment. You and Matt. Is Matt here? And little baby Nora. First time in church, everyone. Little baby Nora. First time in church. Sorry about that. Just saw you. 
The kingdom is now and people have been preaching it. The team have been preaching it and I think they've been doing a fantastic job of it. And I think we have to be so careful knowing that the kingdom, what Jesus wants to happen in our lives, what Jesus wants to happen in our hearts, and I'll talk about the kingdom in a few moments and exactly what that might look like, but knowing that that is now, and it's not just now for us, it's now for the world. We cannot afford to allow the last season of disappointment and lethargy leave a residue in us where we lose our passion for sharing Christ with the whole world. Jesus said, it's now, it is here, it is time, it is fulfilled. And he's looking for that to happen in us every day of our lives. And of course, that whole thought of the kingdom is now, we've got a slogan for that. Got our own slogan, got our own catchphrase. If not now, you see it on the way in. If not now, when? And that, that little revelation came to us when we were on, um, we were doing some ministry in Mackay, and then we had a couple of opportunity to get a couple of days off last year, and, um, and uh, we were sitting at a cafe, and we were at Airlie Beach. We went to Airlie Beach, never been there before, nice place, and uh, except for the crocodiles. No, no I'm just joking. Uh, Nice place, we're sitting there at a cafe and there was a helicopter parked right there at the marina. And I said to Sue one day, like, I've always wanted to go on a helicopter ride. Never been in a helicopter. Been in a helicopter simulator, but I've never been in a helicopter. I'm in a real one. I'm in a Blackhawk one. I've been in a real simulator, I tell you. But it was like this opportunity. And because the air conditioner in our apartment was not working at Airlie Beach... They'd given us $400 off the room. That was nice of them, wasn't it? Guess how much the helicopter ride was. <laughs> but you know what? I never would have made the phone call if we weren't, we didn't, we actually, I just said to Sue, if not now, when? Like, if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? So Sue said, let's do it. So I rang the number on the little plaque that was there, and how much? It was 400 bucks. And they flew us out to Whitehaven Beach, and because... The weather was socked in and it looked terrible, but we were going to do it anyway. We flew there in the rain and as we got to Whitehaven Beach, we flew into blue skies and aside from a yacht moored about two kilometres away, we were the only people on Whitehaven Beach that day and we landed in the helicopter. The guy said, I've got a hammock over the sand dune. I'm going to go have a nap. I'll be back in an hour. Gave us a bottle of wine, a blanket to put on the sand and left. If not now, if you don't take the opportunity, you won't see what could be on the other side of it. And so for me, that has just been resonating. Maybe the, the older I get, if not now, when? And honestly, I want us to be asking ourselves that all this year. The kingdom is now. Now, Sarah, Pastor Sarah preached a great message on making sure that our dream is God's dream. Because uh, I don't want us to confuse this. This is not about let's all just go have fun in helicopters, although I think you should if you get the chance. But actually, let's get back to Jesus' dream of the whole world knowing that there's good news, that there's forgiveness, that there's a creator who loves you, that there is a God that can walk with you and walk you through all the seasons of life. The good news that there is forgiveness. There can be a fresh start. There can be healing. That's good news. And that's actually Jesus' dream. 
And I want us to start thinking about if, if not now, when, kingdom-wise, what could that look like? Again, in the Passion Translation, Jesus says to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. It's really nice to see people back, by the way, 2023. What a different year. Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a harvest. And of course, now we're not talking about quote-unquote church people. (laughs) We're talking about people that need to know the love of God. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this about the kingdom. Again, the Passion Translation, from the moment John stepped onto the scene, talking about John the Baptist, from the moment he stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Don't you love that verse? God's doing something. And it's actually passionate people that are pursuing what God is doing and allowing God to do something in them. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It is God's place in your heart. A kingdom is where a king rules. And it's actually God's place, the place that He has in our lives. And it always begins with us. And then it's meant to overflow. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which we're going to get to later in the year. Can I just warn us right now, as we head up towards um, Easter and then on the other side of Easter, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to get all Pentecostal this year. Because we are actually a Pentecostal church, even though you might not know that because we've got good coffee. But don't be deceived. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but wait here in Jerusalem. And then after the Spirit has come upon you, you shall be receive power and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Literally these unfolding circles of influence that begin with what God is doing in you, in me. It all starts right here and that's not a selfish thing. God wants to fill our cup till it overflows, Psalm 23, and it actually waters others. That's the kingdom in us. Jesus didn't say, well, the kingdom's happening over there. Yeah, there's another church down the road that the kingdom's happening at. There's a conference you should go to. That's where the king... He didn't say any of that. He said, it's in. And you will always be a transient Christian if you don't actually get a hold of that. It's happening right here. So how do we lay hold of it? Who wants to know? Who wants to know? If it's now, and it's happening now, and we're going to dive in in 2023, how do we do it? I have got the most incredible fresh revelation for us today. You will be so happy you come to church. This is stuff you may never have heard of before. Here's the first thought. Cultivate a prayer life. (laughs) Cultivate, I've got to admit, I get really slack. In prayer, I get really slack at prayer. I've led a lot of prayer meetings in my life. 
I, I led one this morning. Last week I forgot, but it was my first week back, so <laughs> I didn't realise till everyone walked out of the prayer room that it was the meeting I was meant to lead. But how good is a good team that covers for you? <laughs> I've led a lot of prayer meetings. I've prayed a lot of prayers that I'm not sure I've seen God answer, if I'm honest. I've certainly prayed prayers he didn't answer in the time frame I wanted. I've certainly prayed prayers that he didn't answer the way I wanted him to, Dan. True? And it can be discouraging. You can get a lethargy in prayer where you just are unmotivated. Come on, who's ever been lethargic? Here's the worst part. Here's true confessions. Sometimes I don't even want that to lift. You want to talk me into praying? It's like, get out of my face. It's just discouraging. So what do you do? I can only tell you what I do. I I mean, I don't know how to fix this, but I can tell you what I do, and it works. I generally get to a point where I'm so sick of myself and my circumstances that I just decide. And I don't particularly feel like praying. I just decide. And I either set my alarm or I write it on a piece of paper and the next day I get up and I just turn the page and start again. Nothing spiritual about it. If you wait to be motivated, the devil will make sure you never are. If you wait not to be distracted, the devil will make sure you always are distracted. Sometimes you just got to make a choice. And I tell you what, it is amazing. Without fail, every time I decide, right, I've just got to get back to it, God meets me there. Never ceases to amaze me. Never ceases to amaze me how the pressure can go out of a situation and the stuff that you're facing before anything's even changed just because you prayed about it. It it really is like 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares upon Him for He cares for you. And you just go and you roll it off on the Lord. And even though nothing has changed physically in your circumstances, you, you can face them now. And you face them with hope. Face them with a sense of, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure what God's doing, but I know this. He's doing something. And it's begin, beginning in me. That's where it's starting. And we all, come on, we need to pray. Who needs to pray for their spouse to change? That's hilarious. Jason is the bravest man in the room. (laughs) Maybe the only honest spouse in the room. Good on you, Jason. Or, Or maybe we need to pray that we become the person in the relationship that enables things to change. Or some version of that. But we all do. Here's something I felt in preparation again. Can I encourage us parents... You need to pray for your kids. You need to pray for your kids. Don't let them go. And as I know, as your kids get older, there can be some disappointments. It's pretty easy when they're in your care and they do what you say and everything after that (laughs) requires a lot of prayer. And it can become so discouraging. There can be disappointments. Things did not work out. Things happened. But can I just, I just feel by the Spirit of God today, don't let your kids go. Keep praying, keep believing, keep asking God to open doors and bring the right people into their lives and speak to their hearts 
no matter where they're at, never stop believing. We're believers. Hey, we, we need to pray. And, and again, you're not going to feel motivated. You just got to do it. And then when you find yourself in that place, you find yourself in a place of intimacy and God begins to speak to your heart. And you know, the number one question I always ask myself, why did you stop doing this at some point? Why did you get so busy, so distracted? Man, you're saying you're too busy to pray? I love that there was an old man of God wrote a book. It was a great book. It said this, you're too busy not to pray. (laughs) If you're that busy, then you need prayer, man. And it's in that place of intimacy where even the kingdom begins to come in you and it comes in the form of, wow, I'm carrying something around in my heart that shouldn't be there. Why do I keep thinking of this situation and thinking what I should have said, what I could have done? Where's that vengeful spirit coming from in me? Why have I not forgiven this person yet. Man, talk about allow the kingdom to come now. Don't don't be trapped by bitterness. And it's often it's in that place of intimacy with God where God can speak to your heart and you can repent. You can change the way you think about that. Say, God, this person, as much as they might have done the wrong thing or whatever... And I can't comprehend it, but somehow you love them the way you love me too. So I'm going to pray for my enemies. Believe that you break into their heart and they find the freedom and the life that I've found in you too. Amen. How else do you let the kingdom come? Develop a habit of Bible journaling. Now, you wouldn't believe it, Tim. When I mention this, sometimes I sense resistance. Can you believe that? Not from you. Not from you or Jason. No way in the world. Develop a habit of Bible journaling. And I'm saying Bible journaling, yes. Stop saying to me, oh, but I read the word for today. Or I... Those things are beautiful. They're wonderful. But they're someone else's revelation. Yeah. And they're icing on the cake and they're a cool drink on a hot afternoon but they don't replace your personal interaction with Scripture. I've got a verse for us out of Deuteronomy. It's a bit of an obscure verse, but hey, I'm just back on deck and I can twist it the way I want it. I'm joking. I am joking, okay. (laughs) Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. And this is an instruction to kings. And it says, Also it shall be, When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, these are the kings of Israel, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites. So here's the king coming into his kingdom. Who thinks kings probably have a lot of responsibility? They've got lots of responsibility. They've got a kingdom to run, man. And what's more, they've got other people that do boring things like copy scripture. They've got Levites, they've got priests, and they've got scribes. They've got professional Bible writer outerers. And the first command was write your own copy. Wow. 
Why would you trouble a king with such petty things? Unless you actually wanted to be personal. And you wanted his interaction to be personal. So God is sort of giving this instruction, I want the kings to write their own copy. I want it ingrained in their hearts. It's that place of intimacy. And I think that's what Bible journaling does. Whether you cut and paste, whether you write or whether you type scripture, it's that interaction with the word of God and meditating on what it's saying that his word to you personally becomes very, very clear. Would you say amen to that, Jason? Amen? Hey, Tim, you've experienced it. I've been in your life groups where it's been happening and men are opening their hearts and sharing what God's saying to them and it's transformational in that moment, not just for the person but for everyone who's listening because actually this is something now, this is not second-hand, this is fresh. This is not someone else's revelation, this is yours. Develop a habit of Bible journaling. Here's the principle. And I think this is the principle for the kings. It's the principle for us. If you want to rule and reign in life, honour scripture. Big amen. (laughs) Thirdly, this is just three simple things, hey? I told you it'd be revelator. This is revelation, you know, this is gold. Has anyone actually ever heard any of this stuff before? (laughs) Gee, you're encouraging. I didn't see one hand. Not, I'm inclined not to believe all of you now, but... And, and honestly, can I say this is the most important point. You get this wrong, the first two actually don't matter. Wow. Prayer won't matter. Scripture won't matter. If you don't get the third one right. Are you waiting with bated breath? It's a pretty big statement, but I think I'd stand by it. Relentlessly follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Relentlessly follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you walk with God, this is the amazing thing, is that, um, you know, if you're a believer, you believe God's real. And if he's real, he can speak to you. If he's real, he can get your attention. If he's real, he can open doors. If he's real, he can close doors in your life as you progress along the journey. All of these little nuances of walking in faith, they are a reality for the believer. And we ignore them at our own peril. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for as many are as are children of God, or as, as, sorry, as many as are led of the Spirit, these are the children of God. How do you know you're a child of God? Because you're actually following. You're following those promptings. You're allowing the Spirit to guide you and lead you. And He wants to do this continuously in our lives. I just want to look at this word relentlessly because I, I picked it intentionally. It's not an easy word. The definition is an unceasingly intense or harsh way. Now, I don't know about you, but I just don't think that's the culture of new hope. We laugh at intense people. Generally, you know, it's like, just cool your jets, man. Like, God's big enough. But actually, I think it really fits here. 
unrelentingly, unceasingly, intensely follow the prompting. And then it says in a harsh way, and it's like, well, where does that fit? Even if it's in a harsh way, to be unrelenting, even in a harsh way. Well, I don't know. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And I don't know about you, I haven't always found that the easiest thing to do. Anyone else here not always found it the easiest thing when you come to a crossroads in your life and you think, I'd really like to go that way. Everything within my humanity says that's the way. That's the easy way. That's the rewarding way. That is the gratification way. And how often have you heard God say, but I'd like you to go this way. (laughs) And right at that point, we have a choice. Do I pick up my cross and follow him? And yet on the other side of obedience is incredible reward. I've heard it put this way, and I just have never heard it put better than this. But the provision of God is strategically placed on the pathway of obedience. It's as we learn to follow those little promptings and we're in prayer and we're in our scripture and we're letting God speak to our heart and we begin to follow the promptings of what we believe he's saying us to do that we continuously walk into the bounty of God. We continuously walk to that door that needs to open or we come to that door that we were determined to go through and God is well able to close it in our face because he alone sees where that could end up. Come on, are you with me? If we, if we, we can, you can quote the Bible till you're blue in the face and you can be in prayer all the time, but if you're not obedient. It's a real mistake to think that maturity in the Christian life is somehow connected to how long we've been around or how much scripture we can quote or even just how much we serve God. The true indicator is the distance between when God speaks and we move. The last thing I got to do on my holiday was do something I've wanted to do for 15 years. I went drag racing. Not very spiritual. (laughs) It really wasn't. I'm not joking. It wasn't very spiritual. Um, But I wanted to do it for 15 years and I said to Sue, if not now, when? And it was really amazing after 37 years away from the track to be right back at the track and in front of the Christmas tree, which is not like our Christmas tree lighting tree party. It's a, a tree of lights. And the first two let you know that you're, you're on the line. The lights come on when you get your car in the right spot. And then the next four count down 0.4 of a second each. They go, dump, 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 green. And when that green light comes on, it's timing you from when that green comes on to when you break the beam, that light that's holding you in place. And it tells you a thing called reaction time. What's your reaction time? Mine was pretty sad after 37 years, I can tell you. 37, yeah, 37 years does make a difference, I can assure you. But in the same way, I I think that's how we measure maturity. What's your reaction time? From when God starts to speak and you start to move. When when do you break the beam? Because I've met people that have been sitting on the line with a green light most of their life. 
our reaction time, our response time, our ability, our fluidity, our willingness to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And honestly, that is how, or it might not be the only way, but I tell you what, it's a big part of how the kingdom comes to our hearts. And you might be sitting here and going, yeah, but I don't do the church thing, Chris. I'm on a journey and that's all a bit foreign to me. I can tell you the first prayer I prayed, first prayer I prayed was in my heart. It wasn't out loud. And it was more like a wondering. I wonder if God's real. Anyone else start praying that way? Didn't realise you were praying at the time, but there was just this, yeah, I wonder what's, I wonder whether there could be anything in this. And within a few weeks of that going on in my heart, I found myself at the front of a church confessing Christ as Lord and Saviour. Changed my life. 36 years ago. So I just want to encourage you, friend, you can begin today. You want the kingdom to come? You want to know what it is? Well, you can open your heart in the simplest of ways in prayer. For those of us who've been walking with Jesus, add a little bit of scripture to that. Not learning, walking. Lord, what are you saying to me? Okay, if I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to move that way. And the kingdom come. Wouldn't it be amazing if 2023 really began right now? For us, a whole new chapter, a whole new day in our lives. Because the kingdom is now. Here's a couple of questions to ask yourself. When and where do you practice intentional prayer? When do you intentionally do it? I mean, spontaneously, I pray all the time. Some of you get a text from me when I pray for you because I thought of you and I've learned to turn my thoughts to prayer. It's like, why am I thinking about Andrew? I think I'll text him. I'm just thinking about you and so I prayed and now I'm texting you to let you know I'm praying for you. That's spontaneous prayer. But there's another whole thing that we should do where we actually seek God. We just go, you know what, Lord? For the next 10 minutes or what? It's yours. It's yours. I'm just going to walk into a room and give it to you. And I'm going to pray. And so that's the question. When and where do you practice intentional prayer? Because really, if you can't identify when and where, then maybe you're not doing it as much as you think. It's very quiet in here. Are you okay? This is not meant to be a guilt trip. Who wants the kingdom to come? That's what this is about. Second thing, very, very simply, how would you describe your interaction with Scripture? Are you slowly making your own copy? That's what I'd encourage you to do. How would you describe your interaction? Sorry, got that. What is your reaction time? When God speaks, do I move? Wow, what a simple way to let the kingdom come. And you know what? I always find in my own personal life, when I'm actually spending some quality time with God, just a bit of quality time, and I'm in Scripture and I'm determined to obey it, things are happening around me continuously opportunities to speak to people, doors opening, life opening up, unresolved issues getting resolved. It's just amazing how just God works. It starts in you and then it just flows out to everything around you. Who wants a 2023 like that? Come on, who wants that? Can you imagine what that would be like? Just go, man, every day I get out of bed and I take the light with me. 
Let's stand. Let's stand. And um, how about we pray together? How about we just simply close our eyes and let's pray together. Father, we simply pray for the strength to seek you. In prayer, in scripture, and we pray for the courage to obey you when you speak to our hearts. Help us get our reaction times down low. Short reaction times, Father. Help us do that and see the miracles on the other side. In Jesus' name. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You know, friends, you could be here and uh, I might not know you or you might be just here with family or, or others and you've been on a bit of a journey. You'd say you've been on a bit of a journey and you might just want to, in a sense, cross the line of faith today. Go, I'm finally, I'm going to open my heart today. Today's the day. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Just while our heads about. And friend, if that's you, why don't you take a step of faith? Just raise your hand in the air. And I'm just going to pray one more time. Come on, if that's you. Just going to give you a moment, but I want to give you a moment. Yep, God bless you. God bless you. Yep, I see you up there. Others in this place just want to really cement that decision of faith. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to walk with him. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for heart. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Thank you for hearts, Lord, that are just responding to you right now. Such a precious thing. Such a wonderful thing. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd visit them, make yourself so wonderfully real to them. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you. Just be so real in their lives. Opening doors, creating opportunity as they walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How wonderful. Why don't we encourage people who just um, took a step of faith. And uh, I'm not sure where you might be from, but we're here for you anyway. So you always know we're here. 